Hello, amazing listener. This is TTL with Promise, and TTL simply means truth, thoughts, and lessons. I'm glad and thankful that you made it to this podcast. So this podcast revolves predominantly about the truth of God's word, but you'll also get to hear my thoughts on certain subjects and lessons I've learned from life's experiences so far. About two weeks ago, I brought good news. In fact, the greatest news ever. So I mentioned how we were all God's enemies, not because of anything we did or didn't do, but because our first father chose a different path and all of us inherited the consequences of that decision. And over the ages, many attempts were made to get right with God, which all proved futile. So God himself stepped in, sending his son to give us a new inheritance and make us his children. If you missed that episode, you should visit it later. It, it's something amazing. And as I was saying, being a child of God is not as a result of what we did or did not do. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace, which we access by faith. The moment you believe in God's word that says, Jesus came to die for me, to take away my sins, to buy me back from the kingdom of darkness, to destroy the inherited nature of sin and give me the nature of righteousness, filling me with a spirit that now enables me to live right. The moment I believe this in my heart and I confess it with my mouth, according to Romans chapter 10, I will be saved. I immediately become righteous and perfect just the way God wants me to be. But then the Bible says we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This is thought-provoking. I mean, the Bible clearly states that salvation is not something we earn or work for. It's simply a free gift of God's grace. How come I am to work out my own salvation myself? Like, how? <laughs> now, one thing you should note is that God's word never contradicts itself. And when you see scriptures like this, it means there's a deeper meaning to the word you're repeating. So you let the Holy Spirit, our teacher, interpret the words to you. Now, this is what it means to work out your salvation. When you got born again, something significant happened in your spirit. God's perfecting work of salvation took place and you fulfilled the scripture that says, be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. When you got born again, that scripture was fulfilled. You became perfect just as God in heaven is perfect. But not what I said. This perfection happens in your spirit. I said, when you got born again, something significant happened in your spirit. This perfection happened in your spirit, not in your mind and in your body. It was an entirely spiritual experience and not a physical one. You did not see Jesus descend from heaven, or did you? <laughs> you did not feel the blood wash you like fuel liquid rushing over your body. You did not feel the nature replacement surgery happen. When God took out the nature of sin and put his nature in you, you did not feel it. The only validation of that experience is your faith in God's word that says if you believe and you confess, then you will be saved. And the witness of the Holy Spirit that now lives in you, that's what validates that experience. Otherwise, there's no proof. You only believe it happened because you have faith that God cannot lie. If he says, when I believe and confess, it happens, then I believe it, it has happened. Then the witness of the Holy Spirit that now lives in you. So you don't feel a different way. If you were slim, you remain slim. You don't just add up instantly if you always wanted to add up. 
If you were chubby, you remain chubby. You don't lose weight on the spot because you've always wanted to. If you were fair, you remain so. If you were dark, you go home dark. Nothing physical changed, just spiritually. The mind and the body you had before salvation remained the same after the experience. So if you had lived as a sinner for say 17 years or 20 years or 22 years or even more before coming to Christ, your spirit is transformed, but you still have the 22-year-old mind and body that is used to sin. And it won't change overnight. It won't change on the spot. A quick fix won't do it. It requires a process of sanctification and renewal to now be able to live out the righteousness that God has deposited in your spirit. So you've lived for, say, 16, 18 years before giving your life to Jesus. Your mind is already used to sinful thoughts. It's used to sinful beliefs, to sinful patterns, to sinful ideas, to sinful opinions. Your mind has been fed so much from when you were little by your peers, by social media, by everyone around you, by things you've experienced. Your body too is used to sin. Your mouth that has lied for years, your ears that are used to gossip your eyes that are used to disdainful looks and everything you're used to you just don't get rid of it on the spot it does not happen that way it takes a process of sanctification and renewal to be able to express what god has put in your spirit through your mind and your body after your spirit the next place god works on is your mind romans 12 verse 2 says be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be fashioned after this world. Don't let the world fashion your ideals, your opinions, your beliefs, your thought patterns, your mindset. But be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning there is a mindset, there is a way a child of God is supposed to think. And this thing does not just happen overnight. It takes a process of renewal. The Bible says, let this mind of Christ be in you. He expects us to think according to the nature he has put in us. But he knows this will not happen overnight. It's a process. It takes time. Even God himself cannot make it happen overnight. And the first way this renewal happens is by the action of the Holy Spirit in you. It begins to act on your mind using a tool the word of God and here's how he uses it. As you study the word of God, it begins to reveal to you your true identity as a child of God. It begins to show you this is all you are. This is all God has made you to be in Christ Jesus. You are no longer that person. You are no longer a sinner. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you don't know, if you don't understand it, and if you don't believe it, it will be difficult for you to embrace it and then leave it out. So it begins to show you promise, favor. James, you're no longer that person that used to lie because you're different now. You're not a child of the devil. You're no longer a child of Adam. You are a new creature. You never before existed. There is no sin attached to you. Stop living like you are a sinner and all you can do is sin. No, all you can do is live righteous because that's who you are now. It begins to show you. Then when you know it, you understand it and you accept it. 
you believe it, you say, no, this is me. I am no longer a sinner. I am more classified as a sinner. I am righteous. You believe it, you accept it as your new reality. It begins to influence your thoughts and your actions. So when you think sin, the Holy Spirit just brings it up and reminds you, you are not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you just tell yourself, yes, I am not this. Because you have understood your new identity. You've understood your new life and what it entails. And then you've embraced it. So this is what the Holy Spirit does with the word. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to transform you into the perfect image of Christ, which you already are in your spirit. So 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all... With unveiled face, no barrier, no hindrance, clearly beholding as in a mirror but the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by who? The Spirit of the Lord. How do we behold the glory of the Lord? Through the mirror of God's word. So each day you study the Bible, each day you read about Jesus Christ, you see clearly nothing blocking your vision, nothing blurring your sight. Oh, this is who Jesus is. Jesus, that is my example. Jesus, that is my role model. Jesus, that is my mentor. Jesus, who my life is fashioned after. And if this is who he is, this is who I am supposed to be. You see your true identity revealed in the identity of Jesus. And then as you behold like a mirror, you get more familiar with your true nature. Each day you look at yourself in the mirror, you get more familiar with your features. You see, oh, I have eye cheekbones. Hmm. So I'm using excellent, I'm applying powder. I should apply it in such a way that it will highlight my cheekbones. Oh, I have big eyes. Oh, I have bushy eyebrows. Oh, I have full lips. Wow, I have a spot over here. You begin to see, you're getting more familiar with your features. And it gets to a point where you can describe what you look like because Every day you keep seeing yourself in the mirror. You now own your features. I know this is how I look. Now I have to figure out how to accentuate my looks because I know this is what will make me look better and this is what will not work for me. You get familiar with your features by constantly beholding. The same way, with each day you behold in the word of God who Jesus Christ is and who you've, you've been made to be in Christ Jesus you are the healed of the Lord. You are the redeemed of the Lord and you are expected to say so. You are a city on the hill and you are not to be hid. By the stripes of Jesus, you've been healed. You begin to see all of these things. You get familiar with your new nature and it becomes easier for you to live it out because you're now familiar with it. And then you're being transformed from one degree of glory to another each passing day by the Spirit of God. So not only do you get familiar, the Holy Spirit now begins to move you from one level of glory to another. Another way the Holy Spirit uses the word to renew our minds is by using it as water to wash us from sinful beliefs, sinful mindsets, sinful opinions. So in Ephesians 5 verse 26, the Bible mentions sanctification and cleansing of the church with the washing of water by the word. It says that it might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So the Holy Spirit uses the word of God like water to purify our minds. Another scripture says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow 
and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Emphasis on piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to help you to differentiate between the voice of God's spirit in you through your spirit and the voice of your mind, that's your soul. It is very easy to get confused as a new believer. Is this the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Is this God's spirit talking to me? Is this my mind? The very best way to differentiate, not even the voice of the devil now, the voice of your own mind, of your good intentions, <laughs> and then the voice of the Holy Spirit. The surest way to differentiate which is which is through the word of God. Always weigh it by the word of God. Likewise, when you're trying to know if it's the devil talking to you, because sometimes it masquerades as an angel of light. So the Holy Spirit trains you with the word of God. It trains your mind to be able to detect what God would say and what God would not say, regardless of how good it sounds. It helps us to tell if this is God's will or this is just our desire. So as God's children, the importance of God's word cannot be overemphasized in the renewing of our mind because that is the tool the Holy Spirit uses to ensure our mind is transformed to now think like God, to think godly thoughts, to think righteous thoughts and to act it out. Now, while the Holy Spirit is working on our minds through the word, we are expected to discipline ourselves. There is a role we have to play. My pastor would always say that any form of Christianity that leaves all the responsibility to God is irresponsible Christianity. And any form of Christianity that leaves all the responsibility to you is a lie. That is not the gospel of God's grace. So there is a balance. There is a role the Holy Spirit has to play and there is a decision we have to make in ensuring we discipline ourselves. Discipline has to do with knowing and doing what is right per occasion. With discipline, you don't do what you feel like. You do what is right by God, regardless of how you feel. Apostle Paul says, For this reason, I discipline myself and I bring my body under subjection. With discipline, you don't let your body tell you what to do. I feel like and I do it. You instead listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and let your spirit and your mind that is now trained in righteousness call the shots. So Romans 8 says, they are the mature sons of God who do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit, who are led by the spirit. To be led by the flesh simply means to be governed by your senses. What you feel, how you feel, that's not what we do over here. That's not what God expects us to do. God sees maturity as feeling a certain way because you definitely will feel all kinds of feelings. But acting out what is right, regardless of whether you feel it or not. I feel like this and it is valid because you do feel it. But then you go on to check what is right by God. And that is what I am going to do. That is the height of maturity. Maturity is marked by graduating from making decisions based on how you feel to making decisions based on what God calls right. Because if you keep doing what makes you feel good each time, I don't really feel like all this stuff is necessary. I feel like y'all are doing the most. You don't just do what you feel like. If you don't master and control your body and your feelings, the day temptation comes, it will be difficult to resist it because it's, it will come as a feeling. <laughs> it will come as a feeling. The devil will not 
up here before you with two horns and a pitchfork and say, hey, you must lie. Hey, you must do this. The same way you felt like not praying, you felt like not doing all those stuff. It's just come like, why didn't you just do this? And then you will because you've not trained your body to be disciplined. You've not brought it under control and say, no, this body, I tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. So as God's children, while the Holy Spirit is working on our minds, we have a role to play in disciplining our bodies. The other side of discipline has to do with repentance. When I say repentance, repentance does not end with saying, I'm sorry, or I repent. Repentance is a decision that makes you take an action, which closes that door forever. It ensures there is never a repeat occurrence of that incident. For any area of your life that you notice a weakness or a struggle with sin, after receiving forgiveness from God, you should be disciplined enough to set measures in place that ensures it never happens again. This is what shows you're truly sorry. When you come to God and say, God, I have done this again. I am sorry. I repent. I will not do it again. Words are not enough. Faith without works is dead. There has to be a corresponding action that shows how sorry you are. Grace has been released to you. You have to act it out. This is what it means to work out your salvation. Work out the grace that God has already put in you. Put measures in place. For example, if you lie consistently because you talk too much, you just keep talking and talking and talking and unprovoked you've lied. <laughs> you feel like exaggerating, like saying what does not exist. When you're telling God, I'm sorry for lying, you now have to ensure that you bridle your tongue. Moving on, you control your speech. This is what shows that you're truly sorry. So the next time you find yourself in a place where everybody's talking and you want to talk, you think, what do I want to say? Is that the truth? Why do I always feel the urge to say what is not real? What makes me lie? Is it fear? Am I scared? Am I living a double life? Am I trying to hide something? You sit down to analyze it. This, this is what shows you're truly sorry because you're intentional about ensuring it does not happen again. God's role is to forgive you and make you pure. You have a role to play. We are sons. We have responsibilities. For example, if you steal because you find yourself alone, you don't steal where people are. Okay, even if you steal where people are, you steal in secret. You hide to steal because if people catch you, you're going to be embarrassed, sometimes killed. So what do you do? If you find yourself alone with someone else's property, leave the place instantly. If you find yourself in a garden and you're eyeing somebody's stuff, and you know your hand is inching closer, stand up and sit in the middle of the garden. If anybody asks you, tell them you're led by the Holy Spirit to sit there. Because yes, you're acting right by the Holy Spirit. But don't lie that the Holy Spirit led you if you did not lead you. But yes, you get the point. If it's fornication, you don't have sex in the middle of the road. You don't... <laughs> You don't put your bed in the middle of the road and have sex in the middle of the road unless, unless there's another force working in you. You would want to do it in secret. Come to my room. Let's meet at the hotel. Let's do this together. You don't have sex in an eatery. No, it has to be somewhere private. You and the lady or you and the guy go into a room where there is nobody and then you do your stuff. So if you know that you have a weakness that is fornication, that has to do with sex, after God forgives you, you have to ensure it never happens that you are caught in private alone with the opposite sex, no matter who the person is. 
it never happens you don't visit the opposite sex alone and even if you have to visit that should be in a group this part god won't do it for you you have to make that decision that is what shows that you appreciate the grace of god it will prevent you from always saying sorry 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 each time you're approaching god you surround yourself with with godly relationships you put those measures in place if certain songs or movies trigger sinful emotions which you can't control you do away with them i remember then the holy spirit had to tell me you would not even watch movies at all i was like ha what is this <laughs> what is this because how do you expect me not to watch movies but i had to do it because i was truly sorry and i had to sit down and understand what triggered certain things in me and put measures in place to ensure those emotions are never triggered it's something that happens subconsciously you don't notice but something is building up it's building up it's gaining momentum till a particular day you will be shocked at the slightest bit of the wind of temptation you will just fall like a pack of cards so what do you do you put the measures in place this is what jesus meant when he said if your eye will make you sin pluck it out he did not mean to pluck out your actual eye it meant for you to do away with anything that's contrary to your righteous nature whatever it is that you notice that makes you keep going back to sin after receiving forgiveness from god enlist the help of the holy spirit let him show you this is the source this is what sponsors this sin sit down and think it out analyze the patterns my pastor give an example he says if you masturbate and you know with your sane mind unless there's some high level of deprivation at work you only masturbate when you're alone you ensure you're never alone till the work of grace is perfected so when you get back from school you get back from work you notice you're the only one at home you immediately come in change and move out go out sit outside or visit a friend till you know everybody will be back if you live alone bring someone to stay with you for that period of time and ensure you're always at home together he said even to the point where you're in the toilet open the door <laughs> whether you're male or female so long as the person in the in the room with you is of the same sex leave the door open let them see everything you're doing explain to them this is what is going on if you don't want to explain to them fine but let them see obviously they won't look but you just know someone can see me you let this happen over a period of time in shorter time than you expected you would overcome that sin this is the part that we tend to overlook in acting out righteousness it just doesn't happen things don't get better with time things actually rot with time you put in action my pastor also gave an instance on addiction he says for example if you're addicted to something when you tell god you're sorry the next thing to do is to clear out your space clear out everything that looks like that substance all the all the stuff you used to take it pictures on your phone the supplier <laughs> delete their numbers and block them so I remember having a friend who was addicted to crystal meth and after giving his life to jesus he approached me and we're just talking and he he says it's he's no longer taking this stuff he's not taking it for a while but he's scared he's feeling skeptical that what if he goes back to it i said no you can't number one you have the grace of god the holy spirit is working in you that is the power of god it would strengthen you to say no to this but i told him so you have to put measures in place you will go home and clear out everything that looks like that substance then number two your friends that take this stuff and they bring it to your house when they want to visit you meet them at the gate 
at most at the door of your room. They should not even sit. You're not explaining to them why. You're just meeting them with a friendly embrace at most at the door. Never in your room, never within your space where they are alone with you. For the period of time to take you to become established in it. And if per adventure you now find yourself again with that substance, before you take it, give thanks to God. Pray, Father, I thank you because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am now saved, sanctified, a son of God. I thank you for the provision of this substance. <laughs> and as I am about to take it, I thank you because it glorifies me. Because it's forgetfulness of identity sometimes that let us do certain things. When you say that prayer and you just remember, it just occurs to you afresh that you are no longer the person that does this thing. Did you not say you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Did the Bible not say you are not your own for you've been bought at a price, the price of the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit now lives in you. You are now the temple of God. When you say it and you stand in the front of your mirror, lift up that substance and give thanks to God and make this prayer, you would lose the power to take it. But you have to put measures in place. Even if it's a relationship, do away with it. Now one thing to note is that this process will be easy. Yes, it will be easy to the one who believes and is totally submitted to God. The Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of boldness, of a sound mind. Discipline, strength of character, which means we already have the ability to live this righteous life. We just have to accept it and let it flow. And note that for every instruction that God gives, for every expectation God has of you, grace has already been released to aid you in the manifestation of it. God does not say, do something, live like this, and just expect you to run off and do it by yourself. He knows you won't be able to. There's something called the grace of instruction, the power of the word. If it's coming from God as an instruction, be rest assured you have received the grace for it. If it's coming from the word, be rest assured the power of the word is already working in you to ensure you do that thing. The word is powerful enough to make us what it says of us. The Bible says it is God that works in us both to desire and to do of his good pleasure. He puts that desire in us to do right by him and he helps us to put it to action. We are not helpless. We have a helper. Stop living like you are helpless. Stop saying words like, I don't know, or I have tried. I feel like I am helpless. I just can't help it. No, that is not your language. Unless you don't have the Holy Spirit, but you do. You always have a standby helper. If only you can see that all the help you need in the world is right with you right in you and actually a sign that the holy spirit is at work in you is that desire to do right for each time you feel like i need to let go of this thing this is not god's will i have seen it in the word of god and that desire is burning in your heart don't just run off and try to do it by your own power you have your helper receive grace first grace makes the difference you receive salvation by grace through faith receive help too by God's grace and then discipline yourself to put the necessary measures in place. You have to be willing to work out what God is now working in you. And if you make a mistake, because sometimes during this process, you may make a mistake. That's why we're not God. 
We're only his children. We are perfect in our spirit, but our minds and our bodies are growing towards perfection and you may sleep. But if you do so, according to what I said in the last episode, good news, remember that your nature is still intact. When you make a mistake and sleep, God does not say, hey, you're no longer my child out of this place. You're not like the devil. No. God still sees you as his child, not as an enemy. His arms are still wide open to receive you. And the blood is still available to make you pure again. The blood of Jesus is still there to speak forgiveness over you. And remember that you have a high priest who is not immune to our weaknesses because he was once human. He was tempted the same way we are tempted. So he knows how you feel. He is there at the right hand of God constantly, day and night, making intercession for you. He is telling God, I know how she feels. I was once human. I can tell. Please forgive her. She has requested forgiveness. That's why I died. For her to always be right with you. And God says, oh well, I forgive her. So come boldly before the throne of God. Even when you make a mistake, come boldly to receive grace for that mistake. To receive grace for that weakness. And you will. And I pray for you today that you come to know and understand your true identity as a son of God. And as you embrace your new reality, I pray that great grace is released upon you to work out that which God has already worked in you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We've come to the end of this episode and thank you for listening. I believe it was a great blessing to you. Next episode, I'll be talking about the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he is to do for us, and why we need him. But before then, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the subject, the subject of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit to you, and do you think every Christian needs him? Do we really need the Holy Spirit, or is it just something theologians have sold us? Does the Holy Spirit even exist? Is, is there something like the Holy Spirit? I would really love to hear your thoughts about the Holy Spirit. You can send your response to my email address. You'll find details in the episode description. Or you can send me a DM on Instagram at promiseanabu, whichever option is more suitable for you. And I look forward to hearing your feedback. One last thing, and I'd want to say a big, big, big thank you to you for your support, for listening and always sharing. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that others get to be blessed through you and I hope it continues to be so. Till next time, remain in God's hands.